This is Lisa Picot playing Mindy on Married with Children, Kelly's friend, and you're listening to the Married with Children podcast. Well, frat bros, tomorrow we leave for spring break in Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> and we show the babes what kind of men we really are. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a whooping? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children Podcast. I'm Steven, and guys, don't tell my girlfriend about this podcast. She thinks I'm a computer camp. And with me today is Tyler. Hey guys, I'm Tyler, and as one of the hosts on this episode, I'm going to have more sex than anyone has ever had since the beginning of time. Tyler, just don't sprain your hand, okay? Oh, don't worry. I've been sitting on my left hand all day. It's numb, and you know what they say, stranger in the bedroom. And I'm Stefan, and you didn't say Simon Says... Yes, that's right. We're reviewing Spring Break Part 1. This first aired on February 18th, 1996. It was directed by Gary Cohen, written by Kim Weisskopf, and guest-starring Harold Sylvester as Griff, S. Kyle Parker as Ahmed, Dave Ruby as Hummer, Sean Michael Howard as Barney, Lisa Picote as Mindy, Lisa Boyle as Fawn, Heidi Mark as Ashley, and Chris Hardwick as Dan Inwood. This was uh, so. This would be a one that came out during a sweeps month because February is sweeps month. So they always do these extra special ones, and that's quite often where you find two parters on any TV series. Get ready for Beach Blanket Bundy. This is my impression of a great marriage. A beautiful girl keep me buzzed while the wife is out of town. A brand new Married with Children tonight. This is a pretty good one. One of the better ones is season 10. I'm not going to say it's outstanding, but maybe we should talk more about that later. Any first impressions? Well, I mean, I will admit, as I mentioned um, in one of the previous episodes, I, I've i always loved uh, travel episodes of sitcoms. I think they're a lot of fun. I think that, you know, it's, it's great to see the characters in a different setting uh, away from home outside of where they usually uh, coexist. As I said, you know, my favorite episode of the show, A Married with Children Ever, perhaps, is the two-parter, uh, Poppies by the Tree. The first, actually, the first episode of the Married with Children podcast that I listened to was for that episode, that two-parter. Yes, I mean, I, I just, I'm perhaps a little biased towards it, but I've, I've always really enjoyed this episode. That was the first two episodes I saw of the whole series. So I was fortunate, yes, because... My friend Jack, I think I've told this before, he was my college roommate, and he uh, he told us about the show and because he had seen the reruns over the summer and the first part of it. And so we were watching it every Sunday night, and we were all hooked, you know, and that was way back in 1987. So, And this is a very unique one because, yes, they do go traveling. They go to um, spring break. Fort Lauderdale. Anyway, the title, Spring Break, may be based on, upon a movie title, Spring Break, in, that was released in 1983. 
wherever you look, skin, skin, skin. A spring break in Fort Lauderdale. 250,000 kids here for the sole purpose of partying. <laughs> Nelson Delby and Adam Stern are about to get the break of their lives. Spring break. For some, it's the start of a whole new education. For others, it's a more advanced course. You can learn a foreign language. Or expand your present one. You can learn martial arts. Home economics. For your protection. Culinary arts. And all sorts of sports. There's something for those into the performing arts. And something for those into nature. Oh, Nelson! Columbia Pictures presents Spring Break. It's the reason kids go to college in the first place. I still don't know where my underpants are. Why, what happened to them? I think they ate them. I do remember this. I saw this in theaters when it was first out. I was only like 15 or, yeah, 15 at the time. It's an American comedy film directed and produced by Sean S. Cunningham, who is probably much better known for helping in the Friday the 13th uh, series back when it first got going. It starred David Nell and Perry Lang as two nerds going to Fort Lauderdale. I've never heard of this movie. Never heard of it. Heard of it. Never seen it. <laughs> it's it's an okay movie. I'm not going to say it's the greatest thing in the world, but you know, man, back in the early 80s when you're 15, 16, that was one of those movies you had to get into. If they wouldn't let you in, you would buy a ticket for an, something else and sneak in when you had the chance. Oh, yeah, I've done that. Because you're 15 and you want to see naked boobies when you're that age. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I first saw like R-rated movies on the big screen. Just the thrill, the thrill of seeing "quote unquote" extreme content like blown up in your face like that. Either you know, either violence mm -hmm. or nudity or sex it was just such a fun thrill. Oh, it was. Yeah. You remember your? You remember the first R-rated movie your parents let you watch, or that you snuck into? That I saw in theaters was Saving Private Ryan, or Saving Private Ryan, or There's Something About Mary. One of the two. Probably Saving Private Ryan. And then I remember I saw Lake Placid when I was young, when that was out. Yeah. And was that R? Yeah. I, yep. thought, I thought it was PG-13. No, no. The, with the stuff Betty White said in that movie, holy crap, that wouldn't have passed for a PG-13. I'm still not over her death. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. She's over it, so yeah. we probably should be too. Tyler, do you remember your first R-rated movie that you saw? Oh my goodness. Um, I don't remember the first one I probably saw, but I remember the first one that I can remember, if that makes sense. And that was mm. Kevin Bacon's Hollow Man. Great, great movie. Great movie. So underrated. Yeah, I got in big trouble for seeing that because I... Um... <laughs> I think my first R-rated movie was probably, I think it was The Enforcer, if I remember correctly. One of the Dirty Harry movies. So, um, 
do you remember and my my boyfriend and i actually just rewatched this movie this past weekend do you remember a movie from about 25 years ago it was called carpool i don't remember okay it was with tom arnold it's about this this guy who's like he's not like a career criminal but he's like needs money for something getting you know ragged on by his mom and we'll get back to the mother he like uh attempts to rob a store and he gets like blocked in so he kidnaps this guy this dad that's driving like the carpool for the day and you know they get on this police chase. it's just like a 90s you know gab fun movie but anyways so kathleen freeman best known to us as the voice of peg's mom voices Tom Arnold's character's mom off screen. And she sounds just like Peg's mom. I'm sure when she was cast that they told her just play Peg's mom. I'm because it was 96 was when the movie came out. So right when you know she was yeah. so I, I I'm sure that's what or or else if it was filmed in 95, she got the inspiration for Peg's mom's voice from that. Because they're there, she sounds the same. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. sorry, just a random anecdote. Now, what was it called again? Really? Carpool. It's from 1996. It has Tom Arnold. Uh, oh, uh, Rachel Lee Cook from She's All That. It was like one of her first movies. Well, we'll have to look that up. I may try and find that streaming. Somewhere. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's not it's not a very good movie, but it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'm looking at it right now, and it it looks. You know what it looks like? It kind of has the same cover art and everything as the movie jungle to jungle with tim <laughs> yeah i remember that yeah. yeah yeah that's what popped into my head when i saw just the font and the weird art style so it looks like fun hmm. yeah well let's focus on the Mary with children now because well all the guys at the very beginning they are packed up and ready to go where Spring break! Well, frat bros, tomorrow we leave for spring break in Fort Lauderdale. And we show the babes what kind of men we really are. (laughs) Hey, come on, guys. Work with me here, all right? This is our big chance to score. Now, the ratio of girls to guys at spring break is six to one. But that's the same ratio of girls to guys at our college. We don't score there. (laughs) Well, it's because those girls know us already. (laughs) See, these girls will be total strangers, and they'll be really drunk. Spring break! Uh, You know what? Uh, uh, Since we started, I know know you're hosting, Stephen, but I had a quick question. So, Mm. out of all three of us here, um, has anybody ever partook... In spring break? Yeah, I was going to say, no, I never did. Uh, I wanted to a couple times, but I can never find the money for such a big trip. I, um, uh, I've i never gone to a... Well, okay. I, uh, the closest thing I ever had to a spring break was going to Cancun one year. I guess it was around... I don't know if it was a college spring break. There were college students there. Uh, I went there with my family when I was a freshman in high school and my sister was a senior and we thought it'd be our our last family trip. So we went to Cancun and um, yeah, um, I didn't like, Oh wait, you were with your sister. Well, we weren't like to get, I mean, yeah, we were, I mean, we were like, where it was, was a member of your family with you. uh, Well, 
I mean, not not like <laughs> it's not going to be like an did you Did you go? Did you go? Did you drive together? We flew. You flew together. Yeah, that wasn't. You didn't go to spring break. You went on a nice trip with your sip. No, but, but I did. <laughs> I did stumble onto a um, like a, a beach party. You stumbled onto it. <laughs> when I was fourteen, fifteen, I could have passed for eighteen plus, no problem. Um, so they probably wouldn't have. I mean, you know, and again, it's Mexico. They don't. They don't fucking care. The drinking age is about fourteen. And I didn't. I didn't drink, but um, there was like a. I am openly gay, proudly. I'm not obviously not ashamed to admit that. And there was like a hot bod contest going with guys on stage, and it was, you know, I. I kind of like, I didn't see much of it, but because I kind of freaked out thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to get, you know, physically thrown out of here. I thought you were going to say you were like, you hopped up on stage and been like, yeah. (laughs) Even back then when I played football in high school and was probably in my best physical shape, I wouldn't have done it. I mean, I couldn't have done it. Did you score four touchdowns in a game? Mm, I was a lineman. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so a nobody. Uh, right. But yeah, anyways, that's the that's the closest thing I ever did to spring break. I traveled one time in spring break to Colorado to see my friend, but I never went on vacations because, as you said, Stephen, a lack of money and a lack of uh, people to, you know, accompany me, basically. Mm. And mm. spring break is quite, what I'll say it, um, hetero heterocentric. It's sp- spring break is basically straight pride. Spring break and Mardi Gras. Oh man, I like that, Dude, Stephen. I like that. Spring break is straight pride. Yeah, it is. Whenever people are like, why don't we have straight pride? It's like go to spring break or Mardi Gras. You, oh man. Well, uh, anyway, so that's the closest I ever had, and we will. But I will get into a spring break memory from afar when we talk about next week's episode. So stick a pin in that. Well, okay. you have more memories than I do because I also, much to the much in the same vein as uh, Stephen over there, I did not. Even though I was part of a fraternity that, uh, it, the, man, his group, Bud's group of friends, kind of reminded me a lot about my friends because your fraternity. Uh, in case any of you out there are listening who aren't part of Greek life, yes, your fraternity it has multitudes of people, but you have a class. So the, yeah. there's like usually five or six dudes that all join the fraternity at the same year, and those are your boys. Um, and my boys were like also about five of us, and we were the <clears throat> uh, we were the stoners. So we were lazy, and we didn't. <laughs> Even if we had the money, which we didn't, we didn't go because we were lazy. We thought about it. We were seeing how many people would be there. And we're just like, wow, that's a lot of walking. Uh, we got to find a place to park. And, you know, we could just sit outside, you know, and sit on the sun, in the sun, like right out there on the, on, the, on the porch. And that's usually what we ended up doing. So we got three people here who are all adults uh, one didn't go because he didn't have the money. The other one didn't go because he didn't have because they didn't have the energy. And the other one just stumbled in on it by accident. So <laughs> this is going to be fun. You know, it's uh, interesting when we start out with these guys and they're sitting around and they're talking about their plans. Uh, the th- thing I found interesting was that uh, a lot of people might watch this and think these are the same guys that Bud recruited in uh, season seven. For the episode frat chance right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it's not there's only one of the guys who was, i was like uh, who the heck are these dudes 
It's like, yeah. did I miss an episode? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, a lot of people think they're the same. It's not S. Kyle Parker or Shanga Parker played Ahmed, and he was the only one mm-hmm. from that uh, episode who returned. <laughs> you are the coolest guy we know. You have had live sex six times. You must lead us. And lead you I will, Ahmed. Okay. We got plane tickets. We got hotel reservations. Have we got protection? I'm gonna, what, what is this? It's my sister's diaphragm. <laughs> you said to bring protection. I wasn't talking about that kind of protection. <laughs> <laughs> and frankly, I didn't care for him after a while because I thought he sounded a little bit too fake and channeling Apu, I think, is what he was trying to do. I, um, I, yeah. I agree. And the whole later on, there's the joke of, um, I have it in my notes here. Well, like after after they you know they reveal they've been tricked and 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 according to according to Bud, he's like, would you wake up and smell the Slim Jims, Ahmed? I'm like, is that because yeah. he's Indian, so he works at Seven Eleven? I'm like, oh really? That's what that I was. was? So. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was just okay, guys. Uh, I, you weren't in a frat. That's I thought that was just a they're they're gross frat boys and eat slim jibs and drink pop and beer and stuff like that. I thought that was just their gross. I dudes. was never in a frat, so you could be right about that. But that's where I mean, my mind went. Yeah, I was never in a frat either. I knew too many people in fraternities at that time, and uh, I just didn't care for it. Um, Can I say though that this frat? Speaking on the frat thing, is I was shocked at how early nineties how multi-ethnic this frat was you had a black guy you had an indian guy you had a weirdo and then you had bud and i was like that's a lot of representation that you you don't even see nowadays like i'm in probably the i joined the underdog fraternity at eastern michigan university there's only like 30 of us lambda 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 alpha kappa lambda (laughs) the truth the the truth the word and the way and um <laughs> represent but no like it it's sadly you get a bunch of us together in a room it is just a bunch of white guys a bunch of fat skinny white guys all different like shapes and sizes but and we had a uh, we had a couple queer guys too as you should i love it yeah. so yeah like but uh and he it, it, i was just you don't see it too often like you don't especially like a whole class of guys so i was mm-hmm. i was very happy about that representation unlike kelly's quote unquote sorority which <laughs> whether well, they're not, very a sorority. not yeah uh yeah no yeah. they're not but you know what i'm Correct. talking about like <laughs> yeah <laughs> here who goes bud who goes wise who goes <laughs> you large-breasted girls think you are so smart <laughs> guess where we're going for spring break eunuch school jimboree <laughs> the petting zoo in your pants <laughs> yeah you wish now, we are flying to fort lauderdale 
and staying in one very cool hotel room overlooking the beach, <laughs> where large-breasted girls will be arching their backs to make their breasts seem even larger. <laughs> we'll be thinking of you when we are rubbing oil on large breasts. Yeah, maybe Hummers. <laughs> <laughs> At least mine are real. Oh, when you get into 1996, now you're halfway through there. The 90s, true 90s, are being channeled. And you'll see it. We'll see it later in the beach scene when the dude with the 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 camera and everything, just the style, the way Bud is dressed, it's screaming. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. And, of course, you know, at this point, Mary with Children is always referring to the culture of the 1990s, mm-hmm. you know, just about every week. Fort Lauderdale was once a top college spring break destination but during the 1990s its popularity faded yes because um i did some digging into that because i remember hearing about this on the news back when i was in college because the city leaders they were starting to close all these bars and regulating the motels heavily to discourage all these partiers coming down and so by the time this one aired by the time spring break one aired Daytona Beach, Panama Beach, South Padre Island, and Cancun, and the Bahamas and Acapulco, they were the top spots. I was going to say so, in, in 2000 and beyond, it was definitely Cancun was the place to be. Mm-hmm. I was shocked when they said Fort Lauderdale. I was like, what, you going to go to like an army base or something? That like, I, I was like, Daytona, that's where you go. Well, you know that, that movie that we talked about, you know, where this probably got the title from, Spring Break? takes place in Fort Lauderdale, but that was the 80s. And from the 60s to the 80s, Fort Lauderdale was probably the top place to go. And that's where the nerds went in Revenge of the Nerds 2, which I wanted to bring up a little bit later. So, When did the... uh, There was a time in the mid-2000s, I think it was 2008-10-ish, where Spring Break became a... um, It was a... What's the... TJ... Tijuana. Uh, I saw a lot of movies popping up where that's where college kids would tend to go. Like there was all it was going to Mexico, going to TJ specifically. I've never heard that. Me neither. You know, and come to think of it, I remember you guys probably weren't around. I don't know when you got when were you born, Tyler? Nineteen ninety. Twenty two days into it. Stefan? Eighty seven. Eighty seven, yeah, because I was born in sixty seven. And I also remember something interesting. In 1984, the legal drinking age for most states was 18. Right. But then Mothers Against Drunk Driving and a few other uh, action committees lobbied Washington. They wanted the drinking age raised to 21 in every state. So what they did in Congress was they withheld uh, federal funds from the states mm-hmm. until they raised it up. And so... I'm turning 17, and all of a sudden the drinking age is raised to 21. Aww. Yeah. So, but it didn't matter. I mean, I was never really a heavy drinker, never have been. But uh, I was just thinking, kids, oh, crap. Oh, well. Kids are. I mean, like, if you talk to people from Europe that come over here, they're like, like foreign exchange students, like, what's the big deal? Like, why do people binge drink? It's like, like they think yeah. it's so foreign to them. I never thought about it. I was just always 21, 21, 21. 18, you can get shot in the military. 21, you can you can drink. And you can vote at some point, whenever. Who cares? Um, but 
since I lived in Michigan, a stone's throw away from Canada, Canada was where you wanted to go because the legal drink age is 19. But when I turned 19, guess what Canada did? They banned anybody with a Michigan, Indiana, or Ohio (laughs) ID from bot purchasing any beverages under the age of 21. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what I was going to get at with that, with the spring break thing, is not only was Fort Lauderdale closing, you know, the places down, but 1984, you raised the drinking age in all these states. And I think that's why all the partying shifted to Mexico. Exactly. Yeah, and ah, they yep. could get their alcohol a lot easier. For sure. Well, and also, it's um, it's a lot uh, cheaper. Like, the Can- Cancun is a pretty, a relatively cheap travel destination. I mean, to, to fly there might be expensive, but, like, you can get a – like, we, we had a really good uh, all-inclusive hotel when we were there, and it was, like, probably no more than $100 a night. That included mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Right on the beach. Yeah. Want to move on here because uh, one of Bud's frat members mentions that you are the greatest of all of us. You have had sex six times. No, 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 Stephen. I wrote this down. You mm-hmm. are the only one of us who has had live sex more than once. <laughs> so does that mean with a living person? Or? I don't know, man. Yes, no. Like it's just a gross. Uh, it was a gross like term that made me like laugh. So, oh, you've had live sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. However, and I've been I've been analyzing this, watching all the episodes, gathering data. Yes, I have a. I'm pathetic. I have no life. But none of us do. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bud has only had sex four times at this point. Maybe a fifth one. We're not too sure. He had sex with his cousin Jimmy's fiance in the wedding show. He had a sex with Rita, a rather large woman in the Valentine's Day massacre. She grabbed him out of the hallway, and he came out later saying, "That's how Tom Arnold feels." He he was he was raped. Let's just say it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He also made it at least once with Amber and Naughty but Nice. And in a recent episode, Love Conquers Al with Esmeralda, possibly with Jimmy's second fiance, Deanne, and the wedding repercussions. But mm, jury's still out on that one. Yeah, that's what I thought on that's why I said possibly. So he's only had sex four times, so I'm guessing Bud is lying. I mean, what is this with guys lying about sex? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's uh, a machismo thing. It, like a yeah. on the belt, yeah. it is a it is a weird it's it's biological and evolutionary is what it is. Yeah. But uh yeah, I do remember that and like I said, this was the sweeps month, so for me with children, they're gonna do all this risque stuff. They're gonna do some more risque stuff uh, a little bit later. But when Kelly comes in, she has something that she says. Tyler, what what, what was it that she said to the guys? <sighs> Oh yeah, Steven. She he she comes in and goes, "Hey, Bud Wiser," which is a and you know what? I don't even need our show notes for this one, Steven. I recognize that as the old Budweiser uh, frog on lily pad commercial. Bud. Bud. Wise. Bud. Bud. Wines, but, er, but, wines, but, er, wines, but, 
wasn't sure what that was but i uh i do remember that though now that i see it here i wasn't sure what you meant by that but okay thank you family guy but why sir but why sir course <laughs> i think no that was the simpsons oh it was <laughs> oh it was okay cool speaking of simpsons i'm just really quickly gonna say how much I love the the uh, sp- spring break episode, which I didn't re- <laughs> I didn't realize until recently that a lot of people didn't like that episode. I think it's great. Guess how many boobs I saw, Marge? Fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great episode. Homer but, like Homer yeah. hopping Homer hopping out the hallway, attached to the mattress, going. <clears throat> Spring break. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, where it's like, oh, don't worry. There are plenty of other states that are welcome up with the open arms. <laughs> I remember my mom laughing at that episode. And she, my mom never laughed at The Simpsons, but she laughed completely. She just didn't laugh at any animation really ever, but she laughed at the moment when she, when Lisa's like, Dad, you can't drive. They took your license. We'll see about that. And he turns the keys and it turns out he goes, oh, look at that. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, after that one, the other girls are guessing where they're going for spring break. Eunuch school, Jimboree. The petting zoo in your pants? Oh, God. Okay, who is your favorite uh, out of all these girls? Kelly, don't count. I would say, um, for me, uh, I mean, I mentioned in the the Cow and the Girl episode how uh, blonde blondes have never really done it for me. Like, Ashley, I know a lot of people would say Ashley and Kelly are the hottest of the of the two, of the four. Uh, for me, it's fun, I would say. I, I love, I love dark uh, ethnic, I think. Oh wait, so is Fawn the one in the hot tub with Kelly later in the episode? Yeah, Fawn, Fawn, let's get it on. Oh yeah, I told my roommate when they were like when they had their <clears throat> their chest areas. Uh, I'm trying not to be a horny dude right now. Like had their chest areas like parched up on the hot tub. I was like, bro, look at the look at the screen. Who's hotter, red bikini or blue bikini? And he like took one second glance away from his game, and he's like, blue. And I was like, okay, good. He chose Kelly. <laughs> I respectfully disagree. I mean, like a- Ashley to me, Ashley to me just has like two, two. I mean, Kelly's Kelly is a little more girl next door. I'll give her that. Ashley to me, just like she, she looks way too like plucked and kind of like, you know. That's why Kelly doesn't count. She's our Kelly. She don't count. Okay. And, and believe it or not, I still like Mindy. I think she's the cutest M- one. Mindy. Yeah. Mindy. Mindy is who is Mindy? She's the one with the glasses. Okay, good. I didn't get any of their names. I wrote down hot tub, glasses. I hate it, but I don't remember their names. And glasses was mine. I'm a sucker for a girl with glasses. And I was going to tell a story that she related to us. If Mary Children fans, if you haven't heard it yet, you may want to go back and listen to that one. That was, and I helped conduct that interview. The thing I remember her saying was that. The, her, in her first appearance, she had these, um, like a nut, I forget what it's called, a re- headgear brace to keep herself for, for some reason or another. And she said that uh, when she was called back to tr- reprise the role, they didn't bother with it because they actually had a dentist install that uh, 
retainer on right. her. And it cost a lot of money. It was like $500. It cost more than she earned for the episode. That's horrible. Yeah, that's what, it, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And so the second time they weren't going to bother with it. And would you blame her? And I just want to say when we're talking about Mindy, I hate with a passion the whole the whole 90s glasses and like glasses and any kind yeah. of bound hair will make even the hottest of women unattractive. It is so stupid. I have all got yeah. the worst offender of that was in I Know What You Did Last Summer with Bridget okay. Wilson, who played Sarah Michelle Gellar's character's sister with glasses and a ponytail. She was still hot. She was still the hottest woman in that movie. I say that as someone who's not really into blondes. She was hotter than Sarah Michelle Gellar and Jennifer Love Hewitt. And that is saying something. Have either of you seen Not Another Teen Movie? Yes, I have. Yeah, because they, they play on that joke because Janie, you know, and Chris Evans, it's hard to believe that was Chris Evans' right. role. You know, he had to make a bet he could turn anyone into a beautiful woman. And he says, oh, no, not Janie. She, wear, she wears glasses and has her hair in a ponytail. You can't make someone like that attractive. Girls asked, where are you going for spring break? And the eunuch school. Oh, God. I mean, that's a real cut down to say a guy's a eunuch. What, what is that again, if you don't mind me? A eunuch, a eunuch is a castrated man. I, I do. I do where they would like sing. They could sing, right? They could hit higher pitches. Well, a eunuch was voluntarily castrated. Quite often, yes, most of the time. You would volunteer for that. It's not like, oh my God. Um, it was a, either that or you get like executed. I'd rather be executed. But the, they also mentioned the Gymboree. So a Gymboree Group Incorporated was an American corporation that operated a chain of over 1,200 special specialty retail stores of children's apparel in the United States, including and Puerto Rico and Canada. And this oh. play and music was a parent-child play classes for ages zero to five. In other words, you know, calling them eunuchs, now calling them a bunch of uh, little sure. kids. And then they offer another option, the petting zoo in your pants. But right. uh, there was a line by Hummer in there. <laughs> Hummer. <Jesus. Yeah. laughs> what a most idiotic name. But, uh, you know, they're talking about their breasts. And uh, he says, well, at least or they make fun of him for having breasts. And he says, well, at least mine are real. And they did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. he, that was a lo- that was a low blow. He struck a chord with them. <laughs> this is so unfair. We should be at spring break, not them. I mean, we're gorgeous, and they're like gargoyles. <laughs> the problem is, how do we get to spring break when everything's booked and we don't have any money? Yeah, well, they didn't stop us from going to Vegas or Monte Carlo or the Arkansas governor's mansion. <laughs> I guess that was just me. <laughs> well, we know what we have to do. We just got to figure out who we're going to do it with. Yeah, Tyler, they want to go to spring break, but everything's booked. Yeah. I... What's booked? Well, <laughs> they don't. That, does, that didn't stop them. I mean, everything's booked, and they really don't have any money to, Stephen, but it didn't stop mm-hmm. them from going to Vegas or Monte Carlo. Or banging the president. <clears throat> I'm sorry, no. <clears throat> or the uh, Arkansas governor's mansion. 
this was such such a 90s joke such a 90s joke yes. here okay do you guys know how i knew what that was referring to <laughs> because i'm a little younger than all y'all and the only reason i knew the connection to bill clinton was thanks to the animaniacs it wasn't the it was the pinky in the brain it was the pinky in the brain song that came after it where he got where they're talking about world leaders and how they effed up and i didn't understand that one i recognized all the other ways all the other rulers and leaders that they messed up so i went on to early internet at that time and i typed in scandal governor arkansas and boy did i learn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um I love that you mentioned Animaniacs. On uh, I, I know there there was the Animaniacs themselves did a song about the presidents, and uh, in addition to like the you know the, the fifty states or the capital, the, tons of great songs. The on the reboot that's on Hulu, which is all which is equal. They they do the song about the first ladies. Yeah, oh, really? which is great for you guys listening who don't know. The governor of Arkansas's mansion is a joke about Bill Clinton and his indiscretions with Paula Jones, oh, and Jennifer Flowers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, which, when I read those notes there, Stephen, it shocked me because I had forgotten about Paula Jones and Jennifer Flowers. I only knew about it. Popped in my head was the. Um, Monica Lewinsky, Monica Lewinsky. Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, it was in my head and fell out when I was like about to say it, but yeah. And really, the country didn't seem. I remember thinking the country didn't really seem to care that he that that he was cheating, but it was that he lied about it. But he did, however, change. He set back the whole idea of what uh, of like what a girl can consider rape and sex like far back because I do remember someone saying in a class, a sex ed class I had in eighth grade where they were like, well, we just had oral sex. And uh, it's like, uh, they're like, you had sex with her. He's like, no, I didn't. All we did was oral. All we did was oral. And she goes, you don't, you don't consider, you don't consider oral sex. And he goes, the president doesn't mm-hmm. like kids were actually apparently teenagers in high school were actually saying that in open court. Well, in all honesty, when I was going to high school back in the eighties, a lot of kids I went to school with, they thought the same thing. It's not real mm-hmm. sex. It's oral sex or it's just uh hand jobs. You know, it's not the real thing. Then we get the shift to Alan Griff. It's your move Griff. You know what's really going to make this game better is when we learn how to play. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe not. Hit me. (laughs) You didn't say Simon Says. Well, that would be me. (laughs) Something in black that goes with a bikini. That would be me. (laughs) Uh, 
Miss, I'm not complaining or anything, but isn't it a little cold to be wearing a bikini? Oh, it's not for here. We're going to Fort Lauderdale for spring break. Help yourselves to shoes, ladies. We've also got a lot in back. <laughs> As do you girls. Do you take checks? Checks? Cash? Kisses? Ah, <laughs> uh, spring break. Must be a beautiful sight, huh, Al? How would I know? My whole life's been a nuclear winter. <laughs> Only way I know it's spring is when the snow melts and I see my garbage on Marcy's lawn. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for your help. So Thank you, Bye. girl. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a wonderful vacation. Bye-bye. <sighs> and I love this line that comes in because this woman walks in and she wants to look for something to look good in a bikini. And uh, and then she, and Al says, well, that would be me. <laughs> something to that effect. And then she says, no, I want something in black that makes me look good in a bikini. And Griff says, that would be me. And that that joke <laughs> and that line is, so in Calendar Girl, we, we talked about how like there was one of the opening <laughs> uh, scenes how there was a missed opportunity for Griff to make a comment like that, like that one. And it wasn't used in that episode, but here it was used. And by the way, you might remember audiences that uh, in the uh, recent interview we had with Harold Sylvester, who played, played Griff, he um, said that, that this was one of his favorite episodes. Why haven't we ever been to spring break, Al? Because we, in our infinite wisdom, got married right after high school. Junior high. <laughs> Think of all the things we missed by getting married early. Yeah. Chasing women, getting drunk and vomiting every night. Eating Vienna sausages out of the can over the sink in the dark in your underwear. <laughs> what were we thinking? <sighs> You're trying to roll the dice. <laughs> yeah, think of all the things we missed by getting married early. Yeah, chasing women, getting drunk, and vomiting every night, eating Vienna sausages out of the can, over the sink, in the dark. Absolutely. Yeah, but no, seriously, <laughs> Stephen, it's it's really good. I'm sure he has a wonderful, wonderful life. And uh, Harold, I hope you're, uh, if your wife was listened to either the interview or these episodes, I hope she hasn't killed you. <laughs> After I reinserted a new opening line for um, the, uh, I can't believe it's butter. I inserted a line in there for the opening. This is shoehorn plenty. <laughs> well, yeah, it was it was so funny. It was so funny after our interview. He was we were like uh, we told him when it was coming out, and it was coming out like right around Valentine's Day. And I just made us trying to be cool as a cucumber, and I was like. Yeah, man, you could even give this episode to your wife as a Valentine's Day gift. He's like, oh, and she'll like, and she'll have my head on a platter for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you have to wonder about actors and actresses who do this because I know um, Ed O'Neill, his wife, was an extra at least once mm -hmm. on the show. And there are times when he's showing affection to Peg and she's showing affection to him. You know, I was thinking you got to be a really secure person to be married 50 years and watch your um, 
your spouse on television, you know, making out with somebody. I mean, else. it's it's acting. It's about being a professional. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm just saying I think it takes a real special person to do that because I would imagine it would be that's why you know extramarital affairs seem to be very common in uh, in the Hollywood celebrity lifestyle because of situ- because of situations mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Have either of you either of you heard or seen Color of Night? Oh, yes. yes. That that. okay. so that movie that the woman, quote unquote woman, because she looked like she was about 16. It was quite creepy. I thought that Bruce Willis uh, uh, sleeps around with in that movie. She got married, I think, right after like product, like like not long after filming wrapped or maybe it was during production or something like that. And Bruce Willis was the officiant at her wedding and Demi Moore was the maid of honor. Oh wow! Was he like? Was he like whispering tips on how to please his wife, like uh, at the at the altar? Like God, ugh. you know, good good for all of them for being able to separate. Dude, wait until the wedding night when she takes off her outfit, her her clothes, and you see her naked. I'm telling you, she looks good. Like and ugh, you had and so... you had full view of Bruce Willis front and back too. So I'm not complaining about that. I'm sorry, I didn't like the movie. You're no, you're not supposed to, Stephen. It's horrible, but it's it's hilarious at how horrible it is. But anyway, he talks about eating Vienna sausages. Why don't you want to tell us the audience about Vienna sausages? Yeah, I can, I could do that, man. Totally, I I love Vienna sausages. Thank you, because I hate Vienna sausages. So go ahead, Tyler. Yes, but the line he's Stephen is referring to is: "Think of all the things we missed by getting married early." Yeah, chasing women, getting drunk, and vomiting every night, eating Vienna sausages out of the can over the sink in the dark in your underwear. Ah, uh, I always wore pants, but uh, eh. okay. Well, after having been brought to North America by European immigrants, quote unquote. Vienna sausage came to mean only smaller and much shorter wieners and <clears throat> sorry <laughs> I hate that word wieners <clears throat> came to mean only smaller and much shorter smoked and canned wieners rather than linked sausages beginning about 1903 however they have no federal standard of identity. North American Vienna sausages are made similar to pork wieners. Finally, ground to a paste consistency and mixed with salt and sp- <clears throat> and mixed with salt and spices such as cloves and coriander. It tastes good, guys, such as cloves, coriander, nutmeg, onion powder, and finally, ground dry red pepper. The sausages are stuffed into a long casting, sometimes smoked, always thoroughly cooked, and beginning in the 1950s, the casings were removed. The sausages are then cut into short segments for canned and further cooking. They are available plain and gelatin, similar to aspic, or with a variety of flavorings, such as smoke, chili, or barbecue sauces. And Vienna sausage consumption peaked in the 1940s to the 1970s, peaked once again in the early 2000s when I ate them by the can, personally, but has declined since then, except last night. In my, I've, in my I've, never, I've never had them, but I, I always see them at um, uh, Dollar Tree, and I've been curious to try them, so maybe I will. 
they're good. They're really good. You know what? Pop them in the air fryer for like five to ten minutes, and then wrap them up in like uh, in some in some bread and everything. It they're they're good. It's a good snack. I might just I I got an air fryer. I'm trying to use it more. I might take you up on that. Eat them with some pop rocks. <laughs> Seeks us into our next section here when we go back to the house and Hummer is on the couch. Gee, Hummer. This couch is so small, and and your lap is so big. <laughs> is there any place on it for little old me? <laughs> if it's all the same to you, I'll I'll just sit to the right of the mustard. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a shame us hitting it off like this and you having to go away for a whole week to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I don't have to go. Oh, could you move a little bit to the right? I think my pop rocks are going off. Weensy little problem. My boyfriend just hates it when I sleep with other guys. Is that your pop rocks again? No, that's me. (laughs) Oh, if only I could send my boyfriend away somewhere for a week, you know. Somewhere where there's lots of girls, so he won't miss me. (laughs) What? Fort Lauderdale, you say? What a wonderful idea. And you have a ticket. (sighs) Okay, meet me here tomorrow at 4 o'clock. And don't tell anyone. (laughs) It'll be our little secret. Yeah, yeah, okay. What the hell? Did Mary with children yeah. think they were going to get away? I cannot believe this. Joe, I know. And can I, how, how did they, story-wise, how did this set up where, like, one of the girls was with one of the guys alone in the Bundy living room, like, back to back to back? So, so Ashley, you really want to spend spring break with me down in my basement? <laughs> Nothing turns me on more than a guy who lives in his parents' basement. <laughs> I knew it would pay off. <laughs> but first, I have to get my insanely jealous boyfriend out of town. I'll kill that sucker. <laughs> because if you did, then I'd have to take time away from us to wear black panties to his funeral. And you know how I hate to wear panties, bud. <laughs> I have an idea. to be sending your boyfriend to Fort Lauderdale? He could use $500 for new clothes. How did, like, what, like, how, like, how, how? Bud and Ashley and his room in the basement would have been fine. And then something else. And, and Mindy, Mindy didn't get her scene filmed. It must have been deleted. If, if this would happen, no, she's before, not hot enough to get one of the guys. Right. Don't, didn't, don't you see before, those glasses, Stefan? Right. But if this was before with yeah, the right. interview, I would have been like, 
I would have had one of you ask, like, why was your scene filmed? Why was it included? You know, like, what, like, what's the story behind that? If she would remember it, obviously. She's not hot enough. It's a shame. But it did happen, as you know, the, as the geek with the... With the um, she had to buy her own term. ticket. Was that the... Yeah, I think she was with the black guy. Bar, yeah, right? bar, yeah, that's right. Yeah and, yeah, and his scene wasn't shown either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, but, but he confirmed it happened. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, he talks about his pop rocks going mm-hmm. off. So <laughs> I couldn't believe they got away with that. Yeah, uh, and, and especially the joke right after that, too. Pop Rocks is a candy whose ingredients include sugar, lactose, i.e. milk sugar, and flavoring. It differs from typical hard candy in that pressurized carbon dioxide gas bubbles are embedded inside of the candy, creating a small popping reaction when it dissolves in one's mouth. And mixed with soda, it can be deadly, according to an urban legend, and it killed Mikey from the Life commercials, allegedly. As in it did not. And if you and if you keep them in your pocket, it gives you an erection. Apparently, yeah, that was the joke that followed. That was even riskier. Yeah, Kelly says, "Are those your pop rocks going off?" And he said, "No, that's me." Uh, is it? Is it an <laughs> erection joke though? Because my roommate mentioned, my roommate mentioned the way she jumps up and the look on her face makes makes it made me both think made us both think it it wasn't a whoa what is that it was a ew what was that i mean i don't blame the guy it's christina applegate but dang on on prime time sheesh yeah that was i I never i never understood that joke as a kid i mean i I guess i assumed he was getting hard but um pop rocks to that like you know i I, like i mean i i can tell i mean something popped as right as as a as a you know a man who likes men i can you know tell the difference i feel i would hope um but (laughs) Right. I mean, I mean, Kelly, Kelly could. I mean, let's face it. She, this podcast yeah. is not safe for work, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. a parental, a parental yeah. explicit content slap on this one. We yeah. really should just for this yeah. one episode and yeah. the second and the next yeah. one. <laughs> you know, and Pop Rocks were referenced in the gas station show. Family. Comes a time in the life of every man. Can we just skip through the speech, Al? And get straight to the punishment that you will inflict upon us for being your family. <laughs> what is it this time, honey? You gonna get out the horseshoe set? Boys against the girls bocce? <laughs> oh no, Al. Not the boo-hoo with you-know-who at the zoo. No, Pink, because we're no longer allowed in the zoo. <laughs> Thanks to young Mr. Bundy, who answered the question, what happens when you feed a panda pop rocks? <laughs> then when the guys are getting together a little bit later, you know, they're getting ready to leave. Okay, guys, let's hit it. Oh, wait a second. I almost forgot. Uh, you guys go on ahead. I have to stay back and uh, feed the dog. <laughs> you, sir are a liar (laughs) and I have to go to the bathroom for a very long time okay guys I'll level with you I'm not going to spring break no I'm going to stay back here with Ashley and I'm going to have more sex with her than anyone has ever had with anyone since the beginning of time (laughs) that's where you're wrong bud 
because me and your sister, we're going to have more sex and curly fries than anyone ever. No, no, me and Mindy are going to run up the all-time highest score. You must all leave. At any minute, Fawn is meeting me here with her large, anxious press. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. So we're all getting some right here in town? <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> we should be here any minute. Any minute now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bud says he has to feed the dog. I love Lucky. You, sir, are a liar. <laughs> and then Hummer says, yeah, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom for a very long time. And then they start coming clean about how, oh, I'm going to be here with Ashley. And he says, Ashley and I are going to have more sex than anyone's ever had in the history of it. He glossed over it, but when we when they had the montage of the girls like getting their tickets, I love Bud's answer to "We got to get rid of my jealous boyfriend." I'll kill him. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> I forgot about that. But yeah, that was a riot. I love that. And but I had, there was one thing that just really bugged the hell out of me. Hummer telling Bud, well, I'm going to be with your sister. We're going to be having lots of sex. And curly fries. I'm thinking to myself, good Lord, if I was Bud, I would have broken his nose. No, all Bud is thinking is, oh, great, you're going to join the lower Chicago area. (laughs) Um, I thought you were going to mention the, again, I didn't think they were going to shock me more with that Pop Rocks thing, but equally... I'm gonna have to go take my condom off. Oh, oh, oh God! Just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. I would have moved away quickly too. And speaking so, like earlier in the like at the beginning of the episode, it had Ahmed like blowing up the. Con- but that was a condom, right? Like a balloon. It looked like one, and, and that is so. That right there is another thing that's so '90s is doing that. I feel like. Oh, that's. That, I think that's like. Since comms were invented till I'm sure there's a I'm, guys, if you think if you listen right now, I'm sure there's a teenager somewhere doing that right now. Like, oh, I, I, I'm sure oh, they still man. do it. I feel like it, <laughs> it was a common joke in the 90s. I feel like, though, in the 19 in the 1990s, the early 1990s. Well, throughout the 1990s, I was going to seminary and I was driving a school bus to work my way through seminary and also doing some paramedic stuff on an ambulance. But one day on the bus, these kids in the back, what they had done, they had some condoms. They had blown them up and tied them off and were pushing around like little, you know, volleyball balloons or something like that. And I couldn't resist this. I went back to the back and I said, guys, this is a condemnation. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Oh, and then this was hilarious. Uh, You know, this is back in the 90s, so the Internet, early 90s. So Internet really wasn't out there very much. And one time I caught a kid with a Hustler magazine. I thought, oh, God, not on school property. So um, I took it away from him. And then he says, well, I got to have it back. I said, you'll get it back when you get off the bus and don't bring it back on here. And after that, I wanted to see my boss. And I said uh, to him, uh, this is what happened. This young man had a Hustler on the magazine, and I confiscated it. And he says, well, let's see it. <laughs> Oh, you know what, man? I, P- 
people who are younger than me are going to be like, what the F was going on in the 90s? Because we keep bringing up the 90s and your stories right there, Steven, because I'm just like the gall on this kid. Okay, all three of us, if we were in school and we were looking at a dirty, like an, and that's not a hustler's like ex, explicit, bad, like a dirty yeah. magazine, and you get it confiscated. Would you think to say, hey, I'm going to need that back? Like, (laughs) no, I'm going to be like, please don't tell my mom. Like, keep it. Like, burn it. I don't want it to to exist anymore. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, he said he needed to get it back because it was his dad. His dad would kill him. You know, and I'm not saying... All porn is necessarily bad, but let me tell you, it uh, it can really harm you in a way because that was my dad's way of teaching my brother and I about sex. It was like all he said was, "Look, my Playboys and my other magazines are in the closet. You can look at them anytime you want to. Just put them back." Oh, that's it. Okay, you know what, Stephen? Can we reverse that and just say no? Porn does not will not do harm parents teaching your kids about sex that way will do harm okay yeah that's a good point you know and that really did not help very much at all that's like bringing your kid to a strip club and being like this is what a naked this is what women are like and this is how you're supposed to treat them like how how old were you and your brother steven uh i about that time i was uh 12 and he was about 10 hmm that's that's, that's way too young. Top of the, he was pretty open about it. I know my mom hated it, mm. and um, but you know what can you do when your dad is a doctor and he's just he was a brilliant he was a great doctor, fantastic doctor. He just sucked as a father. Jesus, Christ. I hate to say, man, you know, and that was just one of many things. He had numerous affairs because oh. he thought that was normal, and so yeah, I. I do have a problem with, uh, you know, with uh, parents teaching their kids that. On top of that, you know, it's unbelievable what information goes out there. I remember in seminary taking a course. It was called Sexuality. And this guy from the University of Kentucky came down to teach it. And he told us he was a counselor. And he was counseling this uh, young coet who was like 18, 19 years old. She was mad at her boyfriend for getting her pregnant and she said because he used the breath control method and the counselor said i'm not familiar with the breath control method can you explain that and uh she said well yeah he holds his breath when he has an orgasm so he can't get me pregnant Mm-hmm. That's akin to the uh, stewing it in the pool. If you do it in the wa- in the pool, the chlorine stops the uh, the sperm from working. Yeah, and then. I used to think, you know, before I became a medic, that parents should teach their kids about sex properly, and ever and it shouldn't be in the schools. And after being a paramedic for a short while, I re, I totally reversed myself, and I was like twenty one when I came to that. Conclusion. You threw your hustlers out, and were like, I'm a new man now. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's funny that we say this, and this episode is so explicit. I really just in case some like. 12 or 13 year olds some for some reason are listening to this it is important to listen to you know parents or just some adults that you trust 
The show South Park had a really good episode about the importance of this. Backdoor Sluts 9, and they... Oh, yeah. They, the mm-hmm. way I just watched it the other night, and it, I remember thinking... It's such a funny way to end it, but it was such a perfect way when the the parents are like, and sometimes your partner may want to pee on the other partner, but it's always important to get their permission before you do that. Like, you know what? It's hilarious to think your parents saying those words, but they were put it's not it's not bad if you're if the kids see porn or see this stuff, they're going to, they're going to see it nowadays on Twitter, they're going to see it online. Give them context about what they're watching. Right. So anyway, the girls end up in um, Fort Lauderdale. Hi. Right there. Oh, my God. Oh. Ah, this is a life, huh, girls? Uh-huh. How come we never went to spring break before? Because we never went to college. Oh, yeah. Oh, gracias, Hidalgo. You know what, girls? The only thing that would make this trip any better is if we could see the looks on the faces of Bud and those dust heads when they find out where we are. (laughs) The audience does get to see the looks on their faces. Go back to the Buddy household. And there they are, looking glum, somehow thinking the girls will show up. Any minute now. <laughs> and they're hanging around, and we have Rock TV VJ, Dan Inwood. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a horrible name. <laughs> this was supposed to be yeah. uh, MTV, uh, right? Yep. Yeah. MTV had their had VJs there, the VJ contest for winners, their most famous VJ would be uh jesse camp or the are you all too young for to remember him tyler i remember not being told i wasn't allowed to watch this oh he was a personality back in the day to say the least hi girls say we're on live tv might want to put those tops back on <laughs> you might want to put those bottoms on too. <laughs> right. And you with the glasses. You might want to get off the beach. <laughs> you probably recognize me. I'm Dangerous Dan Inwood. <laughs> Rock uh, TV VJ at Dan Inwood. I was in General Hospital two days last fall. Zipper mishap. Oh, yes! You were so funny. <laughs> Thanks. I'm sure girls have heard that Rock TV and Phi Alpha Delta Fraternity are sponsoring the big Miss Spring Break contest. Oh, well, we're just here from Chicago to have a good time and maybe wreck a home or two. <laughs> well, you girls are from Chicago. We need a contestant from Chicago. Oh, my gosh. Call it in the air. Uh, it's a coin. You win. Oh, my gosh. tip of my tongue. <laughs> Kelly, may I call you Kelly? Good, I will. Kelly, this is an exciting opportunity. Yeah, well, I don't know about this. I See, I 
consider myself an actress. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if I, I could go parading around a bunch of strangers I haven't slept with yet. <laughs> First prize is a hundred thou in a car, Kel. I'm there. <laughs> I love the line. He tells the girls, I was in General Hospital two days last fall. Zipper incident. <laughs> You were so funny. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And Dan Inwood is played by Chris Hardwick, who I I did not recognize him. He he looks he is somebody that in my opinion has gotten better with age. I will say it. He got some people's wicks hard, like Yep. So Chris Hardwick was born November twenty third, nineteen seventy one. He is an American stand up comedian, actor, television host, writer, producer, and podcaster. Today, he is best known as the host of The Talking Dead, uh, an hour-long after show on AMC affiliated with the network zombie drama series The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead, as well as Talking with Chris Hardwick, a show in which Hardwick interviews prominent pop culture figures and The Wall, a Plinko-inspired game show on NBC. From 2013 to 2017, he hosted At Midnight with Chris Hardwick, a nightly comedy game show series on Comedy Central. In June 2018, Hardwick was accused of emotional and sexual abuse by his ex-girlfriend Chloe, uh, by his ex-girlfriend Chloe Chloe Dykstra. AMC suspended Hardwick from its shows while conducting an investigation. AMC concluded this investigation and allowed Hardwick to resume his positions in August 2018. Dykstra refused to participate in the investigation. Yeah, I I've been a. Uh, uh, myself along with my mother have been longtime fans of The Walking Dead. So we're very familiar with the Talking Dead. I kind of stopped watching that show. I just kind of got burnt out from it all. Um, the show Walking Dead is finally ending this year after eleven seasons. Yeah, finally. And there's going to be an anthology series starting. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I've recognized him throughout the years. He was on an MTV like Remote Control. I think was the show in the '90s. He's been on forever. He did that. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember him doing that, and I agree. I didn't recognize him. Either. I did not. He uh, is so young looking. The... Like, whew. yeah. And he and he he looks and, and I, my, like he he's gotten better with age, in my opinion. Like I said, I agree with you. I I was a fan of The Walking Dead when it first came out. I didn't get into the graphic novel. I didn't know about mm-hmm. it, but I watched the show, and I think I stopped watching it after the war with Negan, and then I didn't watch it for a while, and then we were in. I decided, well, let's see what happens here. And I went back and I saw a new one just this last, uh, right before Halloween or so. Uh-huh. And I thought, wow, that was a pretty good episode. And I went back and watched the previous season that I missed. And I thought, wow, that storyline got a hell of a lot better. Mm-hmm. It, it goes and up and down. So I've been watching it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. My, fa- my favorite character on that show is uh, Carol. I love Carol. Yeah, mine's Glenn. Yeah. Or was Glenn. Yeah, it was. I guess now it's uh, uh, Ross Marklin's character, the gay character. I forget his name. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my God. Ross. Yes. Ross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mine was, and it's so cliche, but mine was uh, the character that made me stop watching it when they killed, when they had him leave. Rick. It ended when he yeah. left, in my mind. My former podcast partner, yeah. yep, ended it when when he died or when he when he when he left. Like it was just, yeah. He, I like the show begins through his eyes. It yeah. ends with his eye through his eyes in my mind. 
Yeah. On top of that, he would have never survived being impaled no. with a rebar. No. Nope. No, he went he would have bled out very yes. fast. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> Back to floppy haired uh Chris Hardwick. Oh yeah, his his, his hairstyle is so just screams that part, so nineties. Uh I styled my hair that way, not ashamed to admit it. Only uh only the uh Oh, there's only like one actor who can pull only one straight at male actor who can pull that off completely. Uh, the British actor who he, he stutters a lot. Name Hugh Grant. Grant. Hugh Grant. Yeah, he's the only actor who can pull that hair off. In my personal opinion, he has a line in there. Uh, Hardwick. He says, "You girls may want to put your tops on." You know, they're covering <laughs> up, and then you girls may want to put on your bottoms too. And it's like that. Do you remember? And then there was a line in there I didn't think was necessary at all, as when he turns to Mindy and says, you don't even need to be on this beach. You might want to get off the beach, you with the glasses. Yeah. Again, the whole, yeah, the whole glasses, you know, is on a... But then we go back to Al and Griff. The snow and ice storm that knocked out power over much of Chicago yesterday continues to paralyze the city. Luckily, schools are closed for spring break, and most employees have the day off. So just about everyone is at home, warm and toasty, huddled around a roaring fire. In the still of the night. And they are in the shoe store. <laughs> They're burning the shoe. Why are they even like why are they even there? In the still of the night. Yes. Now I gotta talk about this. The still of the mm. night. One of my favorite songs by one of my favorite groups. The Five Satins. They are an American doo-wop group best known for their 1956 million-selling song, In the Still of the Night. They were formed in 1954 and continued performing until 1994. When it was formed, the group consisted of just six members, which eventually was cut down to five. They are in the Vocal Group Hall of Fame. This group formed in New Haven, Connecticut in 1954, and... It includes the leaders Fred Paris, Louis Louis Peoples, Stanley Dorchy, Ed Martin, Jim Freeman, and Nat Mosley. And they had a little success. The group reorganized with Dorchy and Peoples leaving, and a new member, Al Denby, entering. The group then recorded In the Still of the Night. It was a big hit in the United States, and it eventually originally was released. As the B-side of a single. I always love that when the B-side becomes the big mm-hmm. one. Uh, that was the Jones Girl was the A-side. The single was initially issued on a tiny local standard label. And after some local Connecticut sales, it was released the following year on the New York label Ember. And in the still of the night, ended up charting number three on the R&B chart and number 25 on the pop chart. Get this, over the years, they have had 24 members. Damn. Keep the... That's almost... I'm, we're, <laughs> I was about to say, the way the way our podcast goes, that might... Uh, we might top them at, at one point. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? 
you got it. You got a good yeah. thing. Keep it going. So, <laughs> right. And then um, they were wishing they were someplace warm, and that's when Jefferson pretty much walks in. Throw another clog on the fire, we. <laughs> I thought we burned that phone. No, don't you remember? We tried it. Wouldn't burn. <laughs> hello, El, hello, Peg. El, is it cold there? It's as cold as your feet on my back, Peg. <laughs> Where are you? Oh, I'm in New Orleans at Mardi Gras. It's really warm here. Is your dad there, Peg? Well, how would I know? There's 10,000 people here, and they're all wearing masks. <laughs> so the only one who should be isn't. Goodbye, Peg. <laughs> warm climate but us oh come on now <laughs> not everybody is hey guys <laughs> well i'm off to spring break in fort lauderdale why do you get to go to spring break and you're not a college student you're not a big-breasted blonde <laughs> god knows you're not married to one <laughs> no no but i do know one when i see one which is why I'm needed in Fort Lauderdale on official frat business. I'll, uh, I'll be judging a beauty contest. What's Marcy say about that? She said have fun at computer camp. <laughs> I told her I'd be job training. So if you see her, you guys will cover for me, right? Not a chance. Walks in. He struts in, looking good as... Yeah. It looks like he walked right off the love boat. It did. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and that's it. You know, he looks good in anything. I think it was when ship happens. Tyler, you and I were just so impressed with this captain, this, <laughs> captain uh, hat, Taylor yeah. out. Yeah, like he's just. I always forget what kind of. I I I used to just shake my head on the Mary with Children uh, Wikipedia page, where it's like many people uh, uh, attribute the rise to the success of Mary with Children to the addition to uh, to Jefferson's character. And I'm like, I mean, he's okay, but come on. Now I see it. Yeah, he does bring a real show, a real sense of like showmanship onto the show. So I'm going to just two things. Um, speaking of ship happens and Steven, this is when we first kind of started communicating you and I, um, I, so. I, uh, I would have loved to have been a guest on that episode, if nothing else, because A, I love, I love that two-parter. It's, it's hilarious. And B, um, I'm a huge Titanic buff. And when you do the, the part where you talk about Titanic and the sinking, you got so much shit wrong. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, at my, so I'm at my parents' house. My mom is recovering from open heart surgery. So I'm watching her dogs. And I'm just like, no, that's I'm like, no, it's like, a perfect analogy with listening to podcasts is where you feel like a ghost and, you know, you can't communicate with the living. And that was it. <laughs> and I'm texting Steven. I'm like, you got this wrong. Like, no, no, I, I know this. No. Um, and secondly, so I am. Um, um, yeah, I don't agree that Jefferson. I mean, I think I think Al and Peg kind of the show stood with them fine. I will say so in terms of me throwing the, my hat in the ring with who did I prefer, Steve or Jefferson? Um, I agree with whoever said it. 
it was either Jamie when she hosted, or maybe it was Annabelle where they said that um, Steve was good for the early part of the show when it was more grounded and less wacky. He fit in well. And then Jefferson, you know, came on at the right time when the show became a bit more outlandish and cartoony. He fit in better there. So mm-hmm. I, I, thought, I thought they, they both did. They were there for their respective times and they were there, you know, and they, they did well for what, when they were there. And I liked how Alex, when Alex, Dan and Jamie were doing it, they uh, commented how Jefferson's character that first year wasn't really fleshed out. No. Really not until maybe season seven, I think, maybe six. You know, one of my favorite scenes is when Jefferson is trying to comfort Al who has to have sex with his wife because Jefferson found him uh, Al with his mouth on the tailpipe. <laughs> you feeling better, Al? <laughs> okay, now that you're more composed, can you tell me what you were doing sitting behind my car with the exhaust pipe in your mouth? <laughs> my wife wants me to make love to her. <laughs> Well, then, shouldn't she be the one with her mouth on the exhaust pipe? <laughs> you don't understand. She wants me to hold her and to kiss her and tell her how happy she's made me feel. Look at me. I'm shivering. Parts of me have fainted. You can do it, Al. Wilt Chamberlain claims to have made love to over 20,000 women. Yeah. And not one of them was his wife. <laughs> All right, come on, you can do it, Al. First, you you put on some music, and then you turn the lights down low. Low? Yeah. Low? Yeah. But I can still see her! <laughs> hey, then they like you to slowly undress them. Then you lower her gently onto the bed, and eight hours later, it's over. Eight, eight hours? Yeah. Eight hours? Oh, God, the humanity! <laughs> me jefferson you can do it big guy no i can't you don't understand it's my wife it's just not right it's your own fault for being so damn desirable al yes you're right of course i see that now when my look says yes how can i say no well, I must prepare myself. What are you going to do? Some wind sprints? No, no, I'm going to the magazine stand, get a copy of Biggins. And a <laughs> great big bottle of Dramamine for the she sickness. Yeah, and it's, it's all about the dynamic of what Jefferson brings. Steve was, Steve and Al were definitely an odd couples kind of scenario. And yes. if Amanda Bierce and Peggy did the same thing equally as well, because I liked the odd couple pairing between Al and Steve, but conversely, Amanda Bierce and uh, Katie Seagal, they either didn't want to do that. And I'm happy they didn't because Amanda Bierce is awesome doing her own thing. And Steve just, it just, it is, I don't think his heart, I don't think Dave Garrison's heart was uh, in it as much. So to get a guy like uh, Ted Ted McKinley in there, 
Like, I just think he brought the energy you would need in another character like that. So I think it does work. And you, but you see it here. I mean, he's only in this episode for what thirty seconds, and he shines those big. No, he's in there longer. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's in it for like five percent of the episode. Like he's only in it at the end, and but his he he shines when he comes in. So. He steals the show. He steals the show, and he yes, absolutely, because it's all about him, and he has that charisma. Also, I think another big advantage that Jefferson had over Steve, even though I st- Steve is still my favorite, is that um, he was more of a buddy with Al. But there was always a little bit of friction between Steve and Oh, Al. definitely. It was like I'm going to be buddies with him, but because I have to. Jefferson wants to be buddies with Al when it is convenient for him and he can fake it when when it's not convenient for him fake it to a point where we almost don't even realize it and one of the things i really like about this one especially in part two which we'll review next week and that is um you have the three of them together griff al and jefferson and when you get those three together i think you have pure comic gold oh definitely Incredible. They have a good, great chemistry together. Now, I did uh, notice uh, something. Jefferson talked about doing official frat business. And I couldn't help but think, is he referring to the Alpha Betas? From Revenge of the Nerds? I was thinking, no, you know, that no, great- no. I, no. I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but as the, as the local, as the actual frat guy here, Jefferson is the nicest looking version of one of the most disgusting creatures that's in Greek life. And that is the old frat guy from 30 years ago who shows up at your fraternity functions or fraternity get-togethers and tries to bring, just hang out with the boys. And you're like, ugh. Like, I mean, they're fun to be around with, and they get really crazy when they get drunk. But at the same time, when they once they start hitting on the girls, and you're like, dude, you're like 30 years older than her, man. Knock it off. That's what that's what he's channeling, 100%. Yes. I've seen guys like him uh, tons of times. <laughs> but uh, what I was getting at was, I remember, I think it was in The Goodbye Girl when... He and Marcy are at the uh, at the TV Land Hall of Fame type of thing, and Jefferson's walking out. And Nothing to be ashamed of. At least you went out and got yourself a job. Some people don't even do that. Here comes one now. What was it like working on Happy Days? <laughs> I'm telling you, kid, I was not on Happy Days, okay? My name is Darcy, Jefferson Darcy. Was that your name on Love Boat? Oh, beat it! <laughs> and so I thought, here's an opportunity to say for him to say, yeah, I got some frat business with my old frat, the Alpha Betas. These nerds are a threat to our way of life. I thought that would have been a great time. Interesting. I, You know what? That never popped into my head. Come on, Al, this is spring break. You guys know what that's like, huh? Well, actually, Jefferson, no. No, we don't know. Neither one of us has ever been. Well, this is really, truly sad. Warm yourself by the fire, Jefferson. 
tell us what it's like. Well, imagine yourselves in a tropical paradise. The palm trees swaying, the trade wind softly caressing the hair of the gorgeous babes bouncing up and down in their micro bikinis. An ice cold brewski in your hand, and everywhere you look, there are nude sunbathers. And that's before you even leave the airport. Wow. I wish we could go. Well, what's stopping you? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, well, you will need some cash. Oh, we got cash? We got cash from that sale we made yesterday. Good thing we didn't change clothes. <laughs> and then, yeah, the boys, they were back at, here we go, back to the Bundy house. Hey, they're not coming. Then, I guess I should take off my condom. I believe it is the bad weather that is preventing the girls from arriving. Hey, wake up and smell the Slim Jims, Ahmed. They're not coming. They never intended to. my college dates. What are you doing here, Mrs. Darcy? Well, your mother called from a float somewhere on Bourbon Street to ask me to make sure your VCR was set to tape Oprah because you were going to be in Fort Lauderdale. But you're not. What happened? And Marcy shows up only because she has to make sure that Oprah is going to record. <laughs> And Pe Peg did make an appearance, speaking of which, you know, she's in yeah. Mardi Gras, which, yeah, I mentioned Mardi Gras before, so, yep, ties in. Uh, she's there still looking for her dad, um, looking in air quotes. There's a reason we only see her head. Exactly. But I, and I, I mentioned in the Calendar Girls episode, because that's where this whole thing started, where her on the, I mean, you know, I get that Katie Seagal needed, you know, time off to you know, have her, I mean, you know, thank God they, you know, were accommodating with, you know, what happened the first time she was pregnant. Yeah, but the, the whole thing, I mean, it just, it, season 10 suffered for a lot of reasons, and one reason was the lack of peg. It's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ, and I'm gonna play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children.
Marcy's showing up, and yeah, you're right. She asked the boys, what are you doing here? I thought you were going to Fort Lauderdale. And that's uh, when they turn on the TV. And they actually, it, it, this can only happen, of course, in the magical world of uh, television sitcoms. We kind of got taken by some girls. I'm not really sure how. We gave them our tickets, and now they're not here. <laughs> <laughs> and now, live from Fort Lauderdale, the Spring Break Dance Marathon. All proceeds will be donated to CBS to pay Bill Cosby's salary. <laughs> having our fun. We could be dancing with those guys. <laughs> when you turn it on, you can see your sister and her friends partying along with your dad, Mr. Darcy and Griff. When MTV used to do Springer, which we will, the thing I was alluding to before that I'm going to talk about next, next uh, episode is MTV Spring Break, which in the, from like the 80s to like the early 2000s was that was, I'll, I'll use old time slang, fucking lit. It was lit. MTV Spring Break 1996 defines live performance with The Grind featuring LL Cool J. MTV Rocks with the Google Dolls, Collective Soul, and Bush. Body Doubles with LaBouche and Buster Rhymes. Get next to Jenny with Cypress Hill and No Doubt. And luxury options like Singled Out and Fame or Shame. It all begins tomorrow at 3 p.m. MTV Spring Break. Unleash the power. My friend, so they, they would do like kind of where they would, you know, have show people dancing where the cameras would go around and, you know, you'd see hot girls, hot guys dancing. And my, an old friend of mine, said she did see her cousin one time on. <laughs> I, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, so... It, and you can actually look and see someone you know on television. Right, you know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah it does happen. I mean, there's, you know, so many, only so many people in the world it's bound to happen mm -hmm. a time or two. And then there's a reference that they say, now from Fort Lauderdale Live, the Spring Break Marathon Dance and all proceeds will be donated to CBS to play Bill Cosby. Uh, <laughs> and Another... all the and all the drinks he's gonna make, like uh, <laughs> a um incredibly nineties. Uh, I mean, in the context of it is very dated, obviously. I do remember that version too. I mean, it was okay, but you know, it's kind of hard to look back on that stuff now. I've ever since. Fell down on, on, it's amazing yeah. when you hear his name now and you're just like wow I, I nothing pops into my head anymore now but that right i um i was at a crime con in uh, austin texas this past summer and one of the panels they had was of uh three women that uh, bill cosby uh date raped this woman talked about how like you know he when she woke up there was like money on the table and how she later ran into him that same day because she was visiting her brother in the hospital and he was there for like a make-a-wish type thing. It's just like, ugh. You know, and, and to be honest, whenever I hear of accusations against someone, 
I do have a little skepticism because I do know a, a, a good friend of mine. He was a principal I worked with. Two girls at the school we worked at cooked up false allegations against him. And he fought it because he, he wanted to clear his name. Man, he lost everything. You know, he put his house up for sale. And he was a, he was um, acquitted. They couldn't find enough evidence. They're, they didn't even run a rape kit on one of them. So I have a skepticism if you have one account against you. Yeah. Now, if you're famous, if you're famous, though, I might even give away three or four. But when so many people came forward. Oh, it was like 25. Like, oh, yeah. When you get into 15, yeah. Yeah. 20. When you get into double digits, it's kind of like from oh, different okay. decades. Yeah. Bill Cosby was a different person. His name meant that joke meant something completely different. And Mary, for, to marry with children when this episode aired is what we're, what we're all trying to get at. Don't feel too badly. Girls like that are just cheap one-night stands. You all should be developing full, trusting relationships, like I have with my Jefferson. <laughs> who even now is away at computer camp trying to better himself. Uh, Mrs. Darcy... But it is a blizzard outside and all the roads are closed. I drive a Benz and I'm pissed. <laughs> Come, my geeks. Revenge will be ours. Anyway, Marcy says, Come on, guys, we're going down to Fort Lauderdale. And I forgot what she was said she was driving. A a drive of Benz and I'm pissed. Oh God, I love we, her. Well, but remember, she because uh, she because she yeah she saw Jefferson. Hola. Let me. Uh, I want to bring up one thing. Go for it. Quick. So when Marcy's leaving with all these guys to get in her Benz, that's gonna be a trick with that uh, one guy Hummer. Uh, also remember, Wah-wah. remember he's upset because look at all those guys they're dancing with. We could be dancing with them. I mean this this guy is is an idiot well but, i mean i mean I, I think it. he has a point wink wink <laughs> i mean i would yeah. wait yeah <laughs> but when i'm watching them all go i'm thinking these are a bunch of nerds here and i mentioned earlier about jefferson having to go to um fort lauderdale for frat business and i thought that would have been a great time for the alpha betas and at this point, I wondered, maybe this was a reference to Revenge of the Nerds, too. I don't know. I know McGinley wasn't in there. But uh, that's when the nerds went to Fort Lauderdale. That was a pretty crappy movie. Follow-up. I've never seen Revenge of the Nerds, but I know a little bit about it. I know it's, like, aged really horribly, like most all-80s teen comedies have. I've seen, I've seen half of it. Because my mom walked in on me watching it, saw what it was, and yanked it out of the uh, VHS and said, you are not allowed to watch this. This is bad, bad stuff. It's bad comedy, and it's bad to women. Don't watch it. What was the thing you were going to bring up? Okay, so uh, we, do, we don't do part part ones and part twos that often, and I think every time they pop up on our podcast, it's, a, it's always tricky. Sometimes we want to do them all together. 
uh, when I guested with Annabelle and Matt, we uh, we did it. We, kind, we we were going to skip it, and then we did it all at once and tricked it like we didn't do it. So I think with this one, because it does just it, it it is not a episode of itself. It is definitely a prelude to another one. I think we should just put a pin in this right now, and before we give our reviews, we each because we kind of like jumped around. I think we should each just shout out like is there anything that else that we wanted to mention that we liked about it any any little bits and bobs maybe something that we are we that we liked about this one that we wanted to see more that we're interested about coming up before we give our i was thinking that the thing i wanted to see more of was you know more of the action that was or the stuff that was going on in Fort Lauderdale. Leave it at, I'll just leave it at that because I'm sure everyone knows how part two is mm-hmm. going to go with that. I'm just going to point out in this episode, it had a. This is rare for married with children. So the part where Jefferson comes to visit Alan Griffith work, and he's like, "I'm going to you know Fort Lauderdale for you know spring break with my fraternity." And then, and then Al, or, or I think it's Griff, and Griff is like, well, we've never been. And the audience goes, aww. Oh, yeah, that, you're that's right. It, it felt like something in, like, Full House. That, oh. that was really rare for Married with Children. Interesting insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought about that. I said it, too. I felt bad for Griff. Like... Get, get it in there, Griff, man. Have some fun. You good, you good looking, man. And I mean that, Harold. You good. Work it. But anyway, um, uh, I love that I could that I could just refer to for him as a friend of the show, like because I, I know him now. Um, but uh, yeah, with me, Stephen, I'm gonna echo what you said because when I saw, like I said at the beginning, I have no memory of this episode and zero memory of part two because I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I saw Spring Break as the title. I immediately thought this was going to be a Kelly episode. And then the show tricks me by making me think it's going to be a Bud episode. But then they give all the best material to Kelly, personally. Like, she is the main story structure protagonist. She's pushing everything along. And um, I have in my note, my fi- I, uh, any, I always have a favorite Kelly line. Sometimes I forget to say it, but this one I remembered. When uh, Chris Hardwick goes, all right, girls, uh, call it. And she goes, ooh, it's a coin. I totally, I had that in my notes. I forgot to bring that up. Thank you. That it was right on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff that we forgot. And I really think these part ones and part twos are tricky. They're tricky to watch. I felt so bad for the uh, people back in the day that I would have to wait a week. I feel bad for myself having to wait until after we record to watch this because I purposely was like, I'm going to wait to leave myself wondering. I don't want to have that. I want to be feeling like an ep- uh, I, this rarely happens. So I want to like, you know, kind of give myself that old audience member feel. So... Yeah, I just thought, you know, this would be good for us to air what we thought about the unusual open-ended ending. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. 
Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. All right. We are back. Tyler, how many pop rocks are you going to give this episode? Well, strangely, and uh, with Matt and Annabelle, Stephen, we, I think we did this thing off air where we decided we didn't have to because it didn't work that way. But I think we changed our we would change our ratings next time, depending on how we how we felt because specifically with this episode, it's really dependent on you know the climax we don't have a climax with this episode it's all set up so i'm just gonna go with what i saw right now and leave it open so with what i saw today i am gonna give this sadly two and a half bags of pop rocks now the reason is there's a lot i like there's a lot of good setup problem is it doesn't it's all disjointed and i know that's by design like literally these guys are all heading to the same place some by accident and some by just happenstance and some by narrative structure but at the same time there's a way you can do a part one and still have it be its own thing um there's tons of things i can think about like for instance, you kept bringing it back. Steven, you are absolutely obsessed with Alpha Beta, as you should be. And that these guys should have been Alpha Betas. Uh, have, the, have, the, have the letters on as something. Um, or have these be people that we've seen before, uh, at least more than one of them. And have Kelly not immediately, and her friends not immediately be a part of it. Have them be suckered in or be angry and trying to get back at the boys and that's where you got two bags out of there funny 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 down the line i loved everything i was seeing and a half a bag for just the daring to be so explicit with some some of these scenes and how many times i get to see kelly and her friends in their bathing suits just like whoo but at the same time you've got to give some kind of solidification if that makes sense we don't do these too often, so I don't have a lot. Of, I, don't, I haven't cut my teeth on them a lot, but uh, my review, my my ratings may change based on what I'll see, uh, probably after we're done recording. So yeah, that's mine. So Stefan, what is uh, how many bags of pop rocks are you going to give this episode? I'm going to give this episode three and a half bags of pop rocks. Um, perhaps you know I'm a little biased, you know, in the sense that I love the travel episodes even though a lot of this one did still take place at the bundy household and the shoe store but it has a great setup to it i think it does have some really good jokes and as you pointed out uh it is quite risque even for married with children and i didn't realize this was a sweeps week episode so i mean yeah i i think like i said it has a good setup for you know more of the story i i, I quite enjoy it it's one of my one of my favorite season 10 episodes, you know, and, and like I said, you know, I rewatched all of season 10 
when you both, when you said, Stephen, you know, we're going to be starting season 10, you know, do you want to be a guest on some of those? And I requested this two-parter specifically. But yeah, I mean, so I, I like it overall. It's not one of my absolute favorites, but for season 10, it, it's one of my favorites. Well, I'm going to give it three bags of Pop Rocks. I kind of like it. And I agree with Tyler. It's kind of a disjointed. It's kind of leading up to part two, where everything, where everyone's all together. And then you have that more dynamic. And I don't want to reveal too much just yet, because there may be some people who haven't seen it, like Tyler. And I did have some problems. First of all, Hammer talking to Bud about what he's going to do with it. I thought, good Lord, that's just, you don't tell that to someone's uh, brother. I, and I mentioned Ahmed trying too hard to make himself sound like uh, Apu from The Simpsons. I thought he overacted. And here is the big thing with me. This episode ends really abruptly. Like you said, Tyler, there's no climax. I did like most of, yeah, most of the jokes. Yes, I enjoyed them. But um, I, I'm not saying I hated it. I'm not saying I loved it. I liked it. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, Man, every time I get, I get like either your Steven or when we have a guest of the guest reviews, it helps. It puts it it puts so much more thought. I sometimes hate that when I go first because like you gave me so much. Like uh, I probably would have gone lower after you guys did yours because you pulled up some stuff I didn't even think about. Like you're right, uh, Steven. Absolutely, there there should be not just a climax, but you could build up by having more than just Marcy and the boys on their way to kind of mess up what already seems to be a perfect plan for everybody else. Like, have Kelly see that Marcy's on her way, or see that Al and Griff are there. And then have Al and Griff know that uh, Marcy might be coming. Yeah, it's not a climax, but it's leaving me going, I need to know what happens next. But the, but the yeah, journey is more important than the destiny. Yeah, sure. Exactly. And, you know, my complaint was that it ended abruptly, but this is a uh, this is a show where everything is going to culminate in part two. It's kind of like how Avengers um, Infinity Wars ended kind of abruptly on a down note, and then Avengers Endgame came back, kept us on a down note, but then pays off in the end with good resolution and they tied up a lot of stories but, but so. adventures affinity war also had a definite end with a uh, with, with a climax everyone died or half the people died and there was so many like threads that were left uh, unexplained um like i said a lot of could have changed with i could argue the climax was Marcy finding out Jefferson isn't there. You know what? How about this? I'm so sorry. Have it have it be have it end literally with her seeing them. And then it begins with that with them making their plan to drive off for revenge. The next one begins with that. Uh tune in next week when we will return for our review of Spring Break 2. Yeah, and until then remember. Whoa.